Amen. Come on, let's give it up for the leadership of Pastor White, his lovely wife, Sonia. Put your hands together because you decided to be about your Lord's business. Come on, put your hands together because you decided to not be church as usual. Put your hands together because you didn't take the Great Commission as a suggestion, but as a commission and a commandment. Put your hands together because you realize that you are ministers of reconciliation, that you are ambassadors of Christ. Touch two people and tell them I'm anointed for this. Oh, come on, tell somebody, oh, tell somebody I'm anointed for this. Come on, touch somebody tell them I'm anointed for this. I want you to tell somebody I will win the loss at any cost. Come on, tell somebody I will not practice safe Christianity. Elbow somebody jump out of the box, out of the box. These walls cannot contain what God wants to do through Bible base. These walls cannot contain what God wants to do through Bible base. say neighbor there's something God put inside of you that your generation desperately needs come on tell your new neighbor say new neighbor God don't care how old you have gotten there's something on the inside of you that you cannot die you cannot leave this planet you cannot depart from the earth until you have given God the glory Y'all did not hear what I said. Until you have given God the glory of producing his intention in your generation. The Bible says in Acts 13 that after David fulfilled his purpose in his generation, did he not? So I will not miss my time. I will not miss my time. I will not miss my time in the earth. established us that we might be the people of God we think that not only did you call us oh my God but you have chosen us you have brought us into your pavilion you spread your skirt over us and we are loved we thank you for this opportunity father to collaborate with the host of heaven for the agenda of heaven now we know that you have souls on your mind. So we ask, Lord God, that you'll help us to mind the things that matter to heaven. 
Now, Father, we refuse to be just a part of another church, singing another song, doing church things without really being about the advancement of the kingdom. So you ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to help us be mindful of the mission. Help us, Lord God, to really grasp where your heart is and to make it tangible in the way that we do ministry. And we'll be mind to get, mindful to give you the praise and the glory for all that you produce in our lives. In Jesus' matchless name. Somebody give the Lord thanks and praise on the way to your seat. Come on, that will be fine if it was for me. We'll give, give the Lord Jesus thanks and praise on the way to your seat. Amen. I'm so grateful today. You may be seated. I'm grateful today to be here and to be a part of this movement. This is not just a conference, but this is a movement. I'm grateful for your illustrious leader. I thank God for his leadership and our friendship. I got to tell you, this is one of the humblest pastors I know. And I thank God for him, and I thank God for his, his lovely wife and for our friendship. I told him we got, we're due a date night or a dinner date or something. We're due. We're overdue. Thank God also for the leaders. Let's put the hand together for the leaders that are here. McMillan's our very dear friends, and for those who are ministers. Amen. My executive assistant pastor, Pastor Rodney, is here as well. We thank God for his leadership. And Kevin, we honor the Lord for each one of you. What, one of the reasons I'm so excited, Pastor, about this moment, oh my God, is because I remember my very last lunch meeting with uh, the illustrious founder of this church, amen, the great Arthur T. Jones. I, I remember my last, amen, I remember my lunch, last lunch meeting. We were over at a place on Dale Mabry. I think it was called Vizcaya, something he liked. And he brought up, he brought up, he started talking about succession. He started talking about the parts of his mission that were not finished. <sighs> and I remember we were just talking about worldwide missions and whatnot. And he was talking about how he was grateful that God gave him the ability through this church to make such a profound impact locally. But he was talking about how his heart was for the other part of his vision, and that is to make a global a global impact. So we dialogued about that. So you don't understand what this means to me to see this vision now being furthered through this man of God and through his leadership. Let's put our hands together one more time for the continuation of something great. Amen? And so I'm grateful to be here and I thank God for each one of you and how you are positioned to do greater works. Amen? Well, I want to, uh, if you would, turn your Bibles to Exodus 40. If you would, I, I believe I'm given the assignment. My, my message will be mobilize, mobilize. And I got to tell you that as I thought about what God would have me to say today in this time, I thought about how I came into ministry. Uh, some of you may not know this, but most of us that do this didn't want to do this. We had other plans for our lives. Tell somebody God chose otherwise. One of the reasons that I spent 23 years in ministry now, pastoral ministry at our church, and six years pastoring as assistant pastor in somebody else's church, but one of the reasons that I have no stress, no worry, none of the strain that goes along with pastoral ministry is because this was not my idea. Hello, somebody. Look, somebody tell them, God's responsible for me. 
God will not call me and then not give me everything I need to do what he called me to do. So I don't stress because I didn't, I didn't decide this, this decided me. God, according to Ephesians 2.10, it says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which he had preordained. I want you to tell somebody, God already decided how he would use you in your lifetime. You don't get to decide your purpose, you get to discover it. And you discover your, pur your purpose in the presence of God, understanding and discerning what his will is by virtue of his spirit speaking to you. Somebody shout, it has to be by conviction. The reason it has to be by conviction is because once it's by conviction, nobody's got to make you do it. If it's by conviction of the Holy Ghost, nobody's got to remind you to do it. If it's by conviction of the Holy Ghost, nobody can punk you out of doing it. Tell somebody, don't let nobody punk you out of your assignment. So one of the reasons that I have a stress-free ministry, and as Pastor said, we've, we've done ministry literally all over the world, is because I didn't choose me. I'm on, look, somebody tell me I'm on God's W-2. He claims me. He's responsible for me. And he's responsible for all this stuff because it wasn't my plan for my life. I never wanted to pastor. I'm, I'm a very introverted, ingoing person. I like being home with my family. It's amazing, pastor, that one of the things that, out of all the things, you know, I come from Gary, Indiana, and people from there aren't scared of much. But one of the things that I was terrified of was standing before a crowd of people and speaking. It's not my thing. And then God calls me to pastor a church. And uh, i never forget, I sat across from Bishop uh, Apostle uh, J.H. Howell, and I told him, I said, I never want to do what you do. And he just laughed because he knew my calling. I mean, you know, overseers have oversight. So he saw things about my calling that I didn't see and nor did I want to accept. But one of the things I did decide that if I did pastor the church, I would not pastor a Sunday church. I'm not going to sit in here on Sunday singing about a Jesus we don't serve throughout the week. I'm not going to sit in here talking about how wonderful Jesus is and then my neighborhood and the nations are dying because I'm not about my father's business. One of the things I decided, I'm not pastoring no Sunday church. So Manifestation Worldwide is open seven days a week. We have a very clear assignment in our neighborhood. As Pastor alluded to, you know, we endeavor to make sure that we're making an impact in our community. Our church... Uh, which is Center for Manifestation, is the center of our community. I always tell pastors this. If your church can disappear from your neighborhood and nobody notices and nobody cares, whatever you're doing is irrelevant. Hello. Look at somebody telling relevance is defined by the needs that we are meeting. Oh, come on. Tell somebody relevance. Your community ordains you relevant when you are meeting needs. God may have called you to ministry, but your community ordains you to be relevant by the needs that you are meeting. So one of the things that we decided is that we're going to be here, we're going to meet needs. And so we've started out, we've been over in East Tampa now, as you guys know, for 20 years. And uh, we had a very clear vision. Uh, currently, we have, of course, our spiritual training focuses and development for the people of God. Uh, church keeps growing. I don't know why so many people keep coming to our church, but they keep coming for some reason. Uh, and so the church keeps growing. Last year we had 176 people join our church. 
This year, we've already had over 13 people have already joined in the first two weeks of the year. I don't know why all these folks come to our church, but they are. And um, also, we also have, as Pastor said, we have group 24-hour group homes, 24-hour assisted living facilities. We feed hundreds and hundreds of people in our church, uh, in our community every single week. Uh, free food, free clothing, free barbering services. We pay utility bills through our resource center there for people that are struggling. Uh, we have three, uh, four daycares, uh, a 12th, uh, kindergarten through 12th grade private school right there in East Tampa called Manifestation School of Innovation and Learning. We have a fully accredited theological institute, fully accredited school as well, fully accredited. Uh, and also, of course, we have women's transition home, men transition home. So basically about uh, $8.5 million worth of properties that span about two blocks. And we just about our father's business. From a local standpoint, as Pastor said, we've literally done ministry or missions all over the world. Our present, current project is that we are building a campus in India. Uh, we, have, we have been taking care of kids in India for the last 14 years. Uh, food, clothing, shelter, housing. We're now sending kids to college as a result of our mission effort. Currently, we're building a campus in, in uh, India as well. Uh, in order to make sure that we can expand our, our orphanage services, build residence for our missionaries that we send to India, and also to make sure that we have housing for our staff that we have there as well. So we have been there. We've been in India for the last 14 years. We have built 27 churches in Hindu villages where the gospel has never been preached. Right from the hood. Hello, somebody. Right from the hood. So I'm grateful, but I decided that we would not be a Sunday church. Now I want you to take note of this. Somebody shout, God's order produces exponential results and glorifies God. I want to remind us that we're not here to reinvent the wheel. We are simply here to follow the pattern that will manifest the glory of God. Exodus chapter 40 verse 16 says, Moses did everything that God commanded. He did it all. On the first day of the month, the second year, the dwelling was set up. Moses set it up, he laid its bases, erected its frames, he placed the crossbar, he set the poles, he spread the tent over the dwelling, and he put the covering over the tent, just as God commanded. Now I want you to notice the result. Look down at verse 35. The result of following God's instruction. Somebody shout, God is a God of order and a God of pattern. Now I want to show you what following the patterns of God produces. Exodus in that same chapter, verse 34 and 35, it says, the, oh, the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of God filled the dwelling. And Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because of the cloud that was upon it. Somebody shout, and the glory of God filled the house. Now watch this now. God is a God of order and a God of pattern. And one of the things I want us to understand is this. Principles produce prosperity. Say it with me. Principles produce prosperity, but patterns manifest glory. So if we follow the pattern of God. If we do what God said, the way God said, somebody shout, there will be glory in the house. Somebody shout, there will be glory in the house. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of a church that God does not attend. I don't want to be a part of anything where God does not show up and do what God does when he gets hold of the will of a people. Turn over to Ephesians real quick, chapter 4. You all know this scripture. Verse 9 said, now he that ascended, what is it but he that 
that, that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same that ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Somebody shout, that's a pattern. What's the purpose of ministry gifts? What's the purpose of ministry gifts? The gifts that have been given to the body of Christ. The continuation of Christ's work in the body is through the gifts. The gifts are a blessing to the body. He says the reason that he gave these ministry gifts, watch this, is for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting means maturing. For the work of the ministry. That means that you're supposed to be doing the work of the ministry, not watching me do the work of the ministry. Hello, somebody. The, 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 the order of church where people come together because they are the fans of their speaker or their pastor. Somebody shout, that order is over. And God said, I've got to mobilize my people to do what it is that I have called my people to do. We don't gather together for you to be fans of the pastor. We gather together so that you can be equipped to do what your Lord has called you to do. Now, somebody in the house need to understand that if you don't see it, you must be it. And what that means is that God will always bother you with a problem that he wants you to solve. Seem like the church need to be winning souls. No, you need to be winning souls. Seem like we need to be feeding the home. No, you need to be feeding the homeless. And we've been doing all this preaching and teaching to help you get off your blessed assurance and be about your father's business. Come on, tell somebody, if you don't see it, you must be it. You ain't finna wear me out because you won't carry out your part of the assignment. Watch what he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. For how long? Until we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth no more being children, child, somebody shout children, one of the greatest one of the greatest opponents of the move of the church is not the devil. The devil is the defeated foe. The de there's no amount of demonic warfare that can stop the purpose of the church. But one childish believer, one immature believer that thinks the whole assembly is about them can do what the devil and a host of devils cannot do. And that is undermine the progress and productivity of the body of Christ. You know, the only thing worse than not being involved with the body is ignorant involvement. Tell somebody, you got to know why you're here. You got to understand what the will of the Lord is. It's not the pastor's job to tell you what you're called to do. It's your job to get along with God and hear from God so that when the pastor tells you it's a confirmation to what the Holy Ghost already told you, it ought to be the second time you heard it by the time it come out the leader's mouth. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things in him, which is the head, even Christ. Watch this, verse 16. From whom the whole body, somebody shout, the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every, say every joint supplies. Say it with me, every joint supplies. One more time, say every joint supplies. I want you to ask somebody, what do you supply? Come on, we got to get out this consumer Christianity. 
We got to get out this consumer. Look at somebody telling them we need companions. We need collaborators. We need cooperators. We need coordinators. The last thing we need in the body of Christ is people that come into the house of God with a consumer mentality. What God has for me is for me. The devil is a liar. That is not what the word of God said. He said, watch it now. He said that if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. God said that your glow up is in your giveaway. Ask somebody, what do you supply? Where are your gifts? Where are your talents? Where are your abilities? Where is your, what do you contribute to the advancement of the work of God? What do you contribute to the edification of the saints? Somebody shout, I am here for what I supply. It's not about what I get out of church. It's about what I'm supposed to supply to the movement. It's not, about, it's not about my favorite song. It's not about my convenience. You know, one of the worst things that ever happened in a lot of our churches is people join for convenience and they quit for inconvenience. And they don't realize that you got to have a covenant-keeping heart. You realize, I was a member of one church before starting a multi-million dollar worldwide ministry. Why? Because I didn't bounce all over the place. God told me who my spiritual leader was. There was a sure work of the Spirit done on the inside of my life. So I learned how to submit. Tells me I learned how to submit. Why did I need to submit? Because submission destroys your pride. I realize I'm not equal to the pastor. We ain't on the same level. There's somebody that's over me in the Lord. In order for God to get you on to the next level, I want you to tell your neighbor, you got to get over yourself. Don't be scared of your neighbor. You're going to talk to your neighbor as long as I'm in this house. Tell somebody, you got to get over yourself. If you're going to get on to our mission, you have got to get over yourself. I want you to ask two people, what do you supply? What difference do you make? Come on, ask your neighbor, what difference do you make? Y'all scared of your neighbor? I'm from, the, I'm from the east side. We ain't scared of nobody over there. Y'all scared of your neighbor? Ask your neighbor, what difference do you make? What do you supply? What has God put on your heart that you must offer to the body of Christ? What has God broken your heart over concerning the needs of mankind? How can we drive to the church in our Mercedes and not care about the brokenness of condition? What do you supply? What has God put on your heart that you must be about? What has God put on your heart that you must be about? I want to remind you, I'm a Negro in East Tampa spending millions on worldwide missions. I'm a whole Negro in East Tampa spending millions on worldwide missions. Because God broke my heart over the condition, watch this, of my neighborhood and the nations of the earth. Now watch this. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Somebody shout, faith pleases God. But there's, a, there's something else I want to show you in the text. In John chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus says something that's very telltale. He says in John chapter 15, verse 8, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Now watch this now. Just because you walk by faith don't mean you're glorifying God. Hello. God, say it with me, God is pleased with faith. But I want you to sit down in your heart. But the same God, say the same God, is glorified by production. 
So your faith is pleasing to God, but your non-productivity doesn't glorify God. Jesus said, this is how, herein is my Father glorified. Watch this now. That he gets what he intended by planting you in the earth. Y'all remember God planted a man over in the garden? Because he wanted fruit that looked like God. I want you to ask somebody, are you producing what God intended? Come on, you were not just born here, you were planted here. And the question is, are you producing according to God's intention? God is not glorified by faith. He's pleased with faith, but he's glorified through and by productions. Y'all got that? Through and by what we produce. I want to remind you that there were several churches in the book of Revelation. We just finished the Bible study through the book of Revelation. And they were given accolades about what they were producing. And even more about what they were increasing to produce. But remember the church at Laodicea? They were rebuked essentially for non-productivity. You know the problem with Laodicea? Ask me what? They had too much money. Oh God, I'm about to be messy now. Somebody shout they had too much money. They were the church that was at a port city. So they had too much money and too many luxuries and their luxuries, their luxurious life had lulled them and tranquilized them into non-productivity. And listen to what God said. God said, you are neither hot nor cold. I'm ready to, you, want, you make me want to vomit. Think about that. The Lord said to them, you make me want to vomit. Why? Because you are useless. That was, the, that was the narrative he gave to the Laodicean church. He said, you are useless. You're neither hot nor cold. You are not accomplishing my intention. It doesn't matter how many times you gather and how many songs you sing about me, you are not accomplishing my intention. God wants to be glorified. Acts 13, 36, I quoted earlier. Now, when David has served God's purpose in his own generation, say, I have a purpose in my own generation. Bible said, then he fell asleep or died, and he was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. So this tells us that every single one of us, according to Acts 13, 36, every single one of us has a very specific purpose in our generation. Individually and then collaboratively, we have a very distinct purpose in our generation. So the question of the hour is, what are we producing? Come on, say it with me. What are we producing? Moreover, what kind of believer is our church manufacturing? I think about this kind of stuff. What kind of believer is our church manufacturing? When you're exposed to what we do and how we do it and what we say and what we require, is what we require producing manifested sons of God, right, that go out into the world and demonstrate Christ's care and compassion to the world, or are we fabricating more religious people? What are we doing? What is our church manufacturing? What is the purpose of our church and our community? Nobody should pastor without asking that question. What is the purpose of our church and our community? We did not get planted here to be more of the same that's going on around these streets. But we have a very specific purpose in our community. You know, when I moved to East Tampa, 
I met with Chloe Coney, never forget, over at the Audrey Spotford Center. Some of you are familiar with Nehemiah Project in that center. Never forget, I went into her office and I told her, I said, Miss Coney, I said, God sent me to East Tampa. And I started giving her my vision for Manifestation City. It's a spiritual training, creating jobs, affordable housing, education. I said, that's what we call to do. She said to me, she said, son, <laughs> she said, a whole lot of pastors have come over here saying they was going to do something, but I ain't seen nothing. She said these words, I'll believe it when I see it. Currently, my education department is centered in the building. She told me that. Now, why am I saying that? She was very sincere. She's a spiritual mother to me. But you know what she was saying? A whole lot of folk doing a whole lot of talking. Tell two people, show me what you're working with. Come on, show me. I don't want to hear nobody talking about the Lord told me, the Lord showed me, the Lord. No, tell somebody, show me what you're working with. I want you to tell two people, put your money where your mouth is. Put your boots where your mouth It's time for us to quit talking and start doing what we say God called us to do. Spiritual training and development. I'm here to make sure that we raise up sons of God who bear out the image of Jesus Christ to create jobs. Right now, our organization, we have uh, 60 people are on my payroll. Six zero, 60 people. Education, literally from the cradle all the way to post-education. Affordable housing. Right now, we're about to break ground, Lord willing, next month on veterans' housing that we're building. Veteran housing, three, do three doors down from the church, we're building apartments for veterans right now. Now, why? Because either you got a mission that came from God or you are just talking. Look somebody tell them we're not just talking in this hour. I was very clear about where I, why I came to East Tampa, and it wasn't to do church as usual. So now as the body of Christ, we have shared goals. It doesn't matter where our churches are and what communities, our shared goals are these. Number one, we are here to make disciples. We're here to make disciples of men. So we got to ask our, 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 ourselves this question. How will we ensure that our church is winning souls? If you follow me on social media, you see me celebrate. I have an elderly woman in our church that won 30 people to Christ last month. Y'all did not hear what I just said. I'm talking about somebody 80 years old that won 30 people to Jesus, that ministered the gospel and won 30 people to Jesus last month. Why? Because there's an expectation that you are going to leave the church mobilized and motivated to be about your father's business. We should be excited about the prospects of winning souls to Jesus Christ. So I read, this month I read a couple hundred manifestos I require every month. Turn in a manifesto. My number one question on the manifesto, who did you lead to Christ last month? Number two, on the manifesto, how did you use your gifts to glorify God? Number three, on the manifesto, what do you get out of being a part of manifestation? Why? I have a fundamental need to know that this church is not a waste of your time. I have a fundamental need. To, if you don't grow in our church, it's your fault because we have put everything you need to grow into everything you said God told you you were supposed to be. We've thought clearly through what does it look like to identify the gifts of people and develop them in their callings. So we made sure if you don't grow in our church, it's you. 
How will you ensure that our church is missional? Somebody shout, we need an outgoing church. How will we ensure that our church is missional? Pastor, I believe one of the reasons, you mentioned it at the brunching yesterday. You kept mentioning the word apostolic. And I, I believe there's a very good reason that there's a whole lot of talk about the apostolic right now. And why is that? Because the church has, has got to start pioneering. It has got to start going beyond the four walls or eight walls of the church. It has got to understand that the kingdom is bigger than what goes on inside of our organization. Somebody shout, we are bigger than this. Come on, tell somebody, we are bigger than this. And that's why God is now talking about apostolic leadership. Why? Because if you go back to the beginning, as it was, God said he's putting his church back in order. And he's raising up leaders that understand it's not just about the religious world, but we're going into the marketplace. We're going into the business place. We're going into the arts and entertainment. We're going into education. Everywhere influence is being held, the kingdom of God should hold that influence. We're going, we are the education. We are the scientists. We are the one giving facts and information to people. Everywhere centers of influence are, somebody shout, anointed people should be in charge. Ask somebody, what if we made all the movies? There's a whole lot of stuff you wouldn't see if we made all the movies. We need to be there. We need to be everywhere influence is held. And we need to raise up people and stop making them think that because you're anointed, you need to be behind the pulpit. No, you need to be behind the desk in the schoolroom because we need some anointed educators. We need some people that don't have to preach the Bible, but in their classroom, the presence of God is there. Why? Because the Spirit of God can do more to a life of a child than whatever you say. We need folk that are anointed in every arena of life. And we need to raise them up and send them out on a mission. So who does our church actually reach? All right, now I'm going to finish with this. Because I want to make sure that we can be strategic about tangibly and practically accomplishing our specific assignments where God has placed us. Number one, we must specifically identify our church's mission and define the focuses that in order to accomplish that mission. We got to make sure we know, why did God put us in this neighborhood? And there are no, listen, if two churches are just alike, one of them is unnecessary. Look at somebody tell them, quit, pairing, quit comparing yourself to other people. Never compare anything, watch this, if you want to be productive and effective, never compare anything to anything. Hello, somebody. Never compare. Comparison is a thief. It steals your joy. It steals your focus. It steals, it steals your involvement. Never compare anything to anything. Never compare this season of Bible base to another season of Bible base. Somebody shout, that season is over. I want you to ask somebody, are you all here right now? Come on, because right now we need all hands on deck. We need people that said, I'm not concerned about comparing this season of our church to a former. I'm about making sure that we maximize our opportunity to glorify our Father under this leadership. I want to make sure I'm giving this man of God everything he needs to do, everything God called him to do. So we got to identify how we identified our church's mission and then how we define focuses that ensure we accomplish it. Number two, 
We must create an entrance process. Somebody shout, things don't go wrong. They begin wrong. So we got to make sure that when folk first come into the church, we create an entrance process through which partners are informed of and acclimated to our mission. Why? Because if we get people and we don't tell them what we're all about, then they will bring other visions from other, from other experiences and they're coming here cross-contaminating this pure move of God with ideas that have nothing to do with our vision. So we got to make sure, tell somebody, you got to catch them at the door. Hey, this is what we do. This, watch this now. When you have a clearly defined entry process, people can figure out very quickly whether they for you or not for you. If you're going to reject me, I want you to reject me at the beginning. I don't want you to wait until I gave you a leadership position. Y'all not hear what I just said? I don't, want you to wait. I don't want you to wait until I've integrated you into my process and you knew the whole time you couldn't be for us because you don't even believe in what we do. Look at somebody tell me, you got to catch them at the door. Say it with me. Things don't go wrong. They begin wrong. So we need an entrance process. Tell somebody we got to let them know right up front what we all about. And we got to help them decide whether they about this business or not. Number three, we must create mediums through which believers, watch this, this is very important. We need to create mediums through which believers can discern and discover their gifts, their talents, and their ability. The last thing we need is people coming to church admiring other people's gifts. God never intended you to be a fan of the praise team leader. God never intended you to be the fan of your favorite preacher. God intended that you would come to understand what it is he's equipped you to do for the body of Christ. Tell somebody and be about that business. So that why? So that when we come together, somebody shout, we all anointed. Huh? We're all called by God. We all got a measure. We all got a part in the supply. Somebody shout, I'm here for what I supply. And I don't audition to be me. Hello, tell somebody, I don't audition to be me. This is what you get. Is this what you want? Because I don't plan on changing to make myself acceptable to you. Number four, we must be open to the ideas of the new people that God sent us. Y'all got that? God is sending you to help you need. Are you open to their ideas? Come on, somebody so that we can integrate them into the work of the ministry. Now, what's important if you're new to the vision of the church is that you learn how to integrate without interrupting. Some people can't join nothing without making it about them. I'm here. So what? Get over yourself. Can you integrate? Ask somebody, can you integrate without interrupting? Can you sow your abilities to the leader that I already chose? You're not honoring me by dishonoring who I put in charge of a department. I always tell people, if I sent you to him, you don't need to come to me. You're not honoring me by dishonoring his. I chose him. God told me to choose him. You're dishonoring him. You're dishonoring my leadership. Tell somebody, that ain't cute. And if you know so much, submit with your knowledge. Serve with your knowledge. 
make the leader look good and make it easy for them to lead that you're if you're in the department you ought to make sure that your talents and your abilities are undergirding the leader that the man of God put in place integrate don't interrupt integrate say it with me integrate don't interrupt now what I'm saying basically is you ain't all that number next we must invite feedback and expect to see if our systems and our processes are automatically accomplishing our goals we got to have feedback we got to check in we got to trust but verify we got to make sure that when we set up something that's doing what God told us to set it up for. We got to make sure, we got to make sure that we monitor and measure something that we put in place. And then lastly, we must create a culture that is accommodating to our God-given assignment. If we keep doing what we are doing, will doing this glorify God? We got to make sure that we put our results on autopilot. We got them, and how do we put our results on autopilot? Systems and processes. Systems and processes that ensure outcomes. Say systems and processes ensure outcomes. Say it again. Systems and processes ensure outcomes. It's my prayer that the Spirit of God would mobilize this house and motivate you to finish the vision that he first gave to Art Jones. You know, the Bible said God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which means that when God gives vision, he's talking to generations. God spoke through the man of God that founded this work, and he spoke straight through the generations. And I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will be upon you in increasing measures to help you to help God's chosen man in this hour to fulfill the assignment that God first gave to my dear friend, Art Jones. May God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, in Jesus' name.